Welcome to The Overflow, the official podcast of The Block. The Block is a thriving young adult ministry of Celebration Church in New Orleans, full of exciting initiatives, faith-filled speakers, a lively community, and most importantly, God's presence. Our aim is that every person seeking fulfillment tunes in and walks away overflowing with knowledge, encouragement, love, and gratitude for the Word of God. We hope that you are both encouraged and challenged by today's conversation. How many of you took to heart last week's message, or you personally, you set some goals for yourself this year? Okay, I see a, a number of your hands. So you did some like personal goals, some family goals, maybe you did some spiritual goals and things like that. Um, but I'm encouraged tonight to see you here because, uh, number one, like I said, you had to try to dodge COVID uh, to get here. And number two, there's only three cold days in the whole year here in Southeast Louisiana. Now is one of them. So thank you for being here for that. Um, but your goal is obviously to be like Jesus or to be a disciple of Jesus or to get to know Jesus um, a little bit better, which is why that you've committed yourself to coming to a physical location tonight to start off your 2022. Now, if you are a if you would say that you are a Christian, you are a follower of Christ then ultimately our goal is to become a disciple of Jesus. It's to be a disciple. It's not to be a good Christian. It's not to have a perfect attendance. It is to be a disciple of Jesus. The Hebrew word for that is a Talmudin. Um, if it's also known as an apprentice, we use the word disciple. Someone who follows in the footsteps of their teacher to ultimately become just like their teacher. And so if we're going to get ground level biblical tonight of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I think that you could basically put it into three things. It means, and I have this on the screen, and you can follow along with me here. It means that you are, you and I, as a disciple of Jesus, means that we are going to be with Jesus. It means that we are going to become like Jesus and we are going to do what Jesus did. Now, each one of those three things is something that we could definitely spend a lot of time on. But what I want to do is I want to look at the middle one, which is becoming like Jesus, which is hopefully part of your goal this year is to become more Christ-like. Because when I say become like Jesus, the whole point is apprenticeship, is to become like your teacher, to become more Christ-like and to become like Jesus. But here's the problem. The problem is that there is a gap between who we are right now and who we want to become like Christ. There's a gap there, which is why you're here tonight, is because you want to learn how to fill that gap in. If your goal is to be like Jesus, then I've got some news for you tonight. It means that you have to change. You can't stay the same. There's got to be some some changing in your life. The word uh, in Scripture is transformation. This is the word that's most readily used in the New Testament writings. A transformation must take place. But in the Greek, the word is uh, metamorphato, which which is metamorphism. And Webster's Dictionary says this. uh, Metamorphism is a profound change in form from one stage to the next in the life uh, history of an organism. Okay, so let's, let's just let's stay 30,000 feet tonight. You're a Christ follower. You decided that you want to be, you want to follow Jesus. The goal is to become like Jesus, which means you have to change. Transformation, metamorphism needs to take place in your life in order for us to become like Jesus. But let's just be honest tonight. A lot of us feel stuck in this room. 
we feel stuck because you come from a history of whether there is divorce or abuse or drug addiction or whatever it is. You wrestle with pornography, with sexual addiction. There is depression. There's all of these things that cause you to feel stuck in your transformation of becoming like Jesus. And so we just kind of settle in some mundane lifestyle of let me just get to church and let me put a checkbox there. Let me just maybe I'll read, I'll do a Bible plan. And we do some minimum things that if we're just honest, it makes us feel good about who we are. It makes us feel like we're kind of heading in the direction of Jesus. But if we're completely honest, transformation probably hasn't taken place in our life to the extent that we want to see that taking place. When you read scripture, you read about Jesus, you read what Jesus wants for you to have life, to have life abundantly, you feel a disconnect there. And you look at the life of Jesus and you say, well, that's something that I can never live up to. I can never be like Jesus. So I'm just going to kind of settle in what the world calls Christianity. Everyone, just so you know, is a Christian on paper. Okay, according to statistics, 90 plus percent of people say that they fall into the category of being a Christian. I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't care what you classify yourself as. We care tonight if you are a disciple of Jesus. That's what we're called to be as a disciple of Jesus. The standard for being a Christian is super low today. You don't curse much. You don't have sex much outside of marriage and you try to make it to church and hey if you're super holy then you go to life group right like that that's kind of like our standard that's way below the standard of what it means to be a disciple of jesus so here's the here's the reality we have to change but here's and we feel stuck so here's what i want to look at tonight how how do you change let's say you're looking at 2022 and you're like okay pastor i get it i want to this i want this to be my most transformative year yet in the history of my walk with jesus at the end of 2022 i want to look back to this day january 2nd i want to say i made a decision i put some things into place in my life and now over 12 months there is for sure a drastic change in my life and i do look more like jesus what does that look like well the process by which we change is called spiritual formation that's one of the the terminologies that people use that's a terminology we'll use tonight and let me just give you a philosophical working definition of what spiritual formation is by dallas willard this is what dallas willard says and just speak just stay with me for a second with the quote spiritual formation in the christian uh, Tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character and traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. I know that's like some, it's like right over your head for a lot of you, but we're going to break this thing down tonight to make it really simple. ABC, um, discipleship 101. But here's, here's the reality. Every single person in this room, me included, we are being shaped by something. Something is shaping you tonight. Something shaped you in 2021. You are a disciple of something. You hear me talk about being a disciple of Jesus. You're like, man, like, okay, he's going to go deep tonight. Try to make me feel convicted. No, I'm really not. I just want you to understand you are already a disciple of something. You are already becoming like someone. And and here's the two things that I want to let you know tonight. There is unintentional spiritual formation that takes place in your life, in all of our lives. 
And what do I mean by unintentional spiritual formation? I mean, there are stories and narratives that we believe that we fall into just by waking up in the morning. You wake up, you scroll on social media, you turn the news on, you go to school, you have conversations just by existing in the world. Unintentional spiritual formation is taking place. Now, what we do is who we become. Your habits, they shape and they form you. We've talked about this in the past, but they get to the core of our being. So like, how do you counter unintentional spiritual form? How do you be like, well, I don't want to be a disciple of the world. I don't want to be a disciple of my uncle. I don't want to be a disciple. And the Christian answer, if I can just be honest, we would say, hey, just go read your Bible. Just go read your Bible. But I want to let you know that's, and you know me, you know me. What's my quote? You know that, okay? I'm all about that. But let me just get really real with you tonight, okay? Information transfer alone does not lead to transformation. Yeah. Let me say it again. Just because you are here tonight hearing a message does not mean that you will practically apply it to your life. This is why some people leave college stupider than they were when they went in. Paid all that money, listened to all those classes, and they're dumber when they leave. You have, you have as much information as you want in 2022. Podcasts, YouTube videos, online classes, you can listen to whatever you want. Information does not mean that you will be transformed by that information. So you could go home tonight and read your whole Bible and not be transformed. Yeah. Why? Because all you're doing is receiving information. That's all you're doing. Tonight, you're just hearing, you're hearing me speak some words to you. You're hearing some sort of information. A lot of times, we think that following Jesus is like the Matrix. Did y'all watch the new one? No. Okay, me either. Cool. Um, but you saw the first one. Did anybody watch the first one? You get the premise of the whole thing, right? Like, remember the Matrix where, where they're, like, standing in front of a helicopter, and he's like, hey, I need to learn how to fly it. And they're like, hold on one second. And he's like, and he's like, okay, let's go. Remember that? And we're like, okay. Jeez, I'm old. All right. So anyway, that's what happens. Basically, you just download some information to you and you automatically are able to do it. We look at Christianity and following Jesus like that. Like, Jesus, I'm here. I need peace. So just download it. Okay, I have peace. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And I'm just, this is reforming the way that I'm thinking about following Jesus on my own. Because I've grown up in spheres and circles and different, different um, denominations where the, people believe that. Hey, just give me peace for my life and I'll get it right now in this moment. Where that's not really what Jesus teaches. Mm-hmm. He doesn't teach that. He just downloads it to you right away and you have no problems for the rest of your life. And you can just tap into that. You don't have to work for anything. No, no, no. There's effort that's put forth in following Jesus. He does the majority of the work, but we also have a part to play in our own spiritual formation. God does the heavy lifting, but you have a part to play. So the unintentional. The second one is intentional spiritual formation, which means that this is you. 
deciding, okay, I will not be a disciple of the world. I will not be an unintentional disciple of whoever it is that I am becoming right now, whether it's my mother, my father, some, some social media person that I follow, some athlete, whatever it is, some news program. I'm not going to let those things influence me. I am going to take hold of my own spiritual formation. And there's four ways that we can do that. And I'm not going to get into all of them, but there's teaching, practice, community, and the Holy Spirit. What I want to talk to you about is practice tonight is practice because if I have, a, I have a son he's four if I said to Taj hey I want you to go play Beethoven on the piano and he goes and I, and I just like no we're gonna pray and I want you to try real hard and I'm gonna pray and and and, and please like Jesus like just make him play Mozart can he play Mozart no. even if he has the sheet music in front of him why Because he needs to practice. This is the reason why the Apostle Paul, he used a lot of illustrations about sports. I don't know if you know that in his writings. He said, one thing I do, I forget what's behind it. I press forward to win the prize. I run the race. I beat my body into submission to take hold of that which Christ has already taken hold of me. He uses an illustration of an athlete. Because he understood that the people in the context he was talking to, they would understand this illustration that you don't just show up and win a gold medal. 2022, everybody gets a medal. It's stupid. You don't get a medal for following Jesus. You have to put in work. Right? We get offended because we don't get rewarded for just waking up anymore. Like, I'm here. I deserve. No, you don't deserve nothing. If you want to be like Jesus, you need to put the work in. There are practices that you need to to start putting in place in your life to help you become more and more like Jesus. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, it's right after the Sermon on the Mount. It's the very end of it. And he did a mic drop moment. And he said, look, and I have the verse here, 724. It says, therefore, this is after he preached all this amazing message. He talked about so many different things. Sermon on the Mount, you can read it, Matthew 5. He said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Anyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice is like someone who builds a house on a sand. Wind came and it goes away. So what's the difference between someone who survives and becomes like Jesus and someone who doesn't? It's someone who puts things into practice and someone who just shows up thinking that they've arrived. Listen, I need you, if you don't hear anything else, you will not show up at every service we have at this church and be like Jesus at the end of the year. I don't care how many podcasts you listen to. I don't care what school you go to. You will not be like Jesus if you don't initiate the practices that Jesus has for you to initiate in spiritual formation. So spiritual disciplines. This is practices. Practices are spiritual disciplines. Here's a definition of a spiritual discipline. You probably heard this before. It's practices based off of the lifestyle of Jesus that create a time and a space for us to access the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and in doing so be transformed from the inside out. Now there's a list of those in your handout. I'm not going to go over all of those, but I want you to look at that list because these are things that if you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, you see that these are disciplines that Jesus had placed in his life. He had silence. He had moments of silence that he got away. There was solitude. There was prayer, fasting, reading of scripture, memorization, a commitment to community and coming to church, Sabbath, simple living and confession. When you look at Jesus' life, you see that he lived by these practices. 
He incorporated these things into his life. Now, what does it mean to have a, say, spiritual discipline? What's a discipline? A discipline is an activity I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that, which currently I cannot do by direct effort. Once again, you say, well, I want the power to overcome sin. Okay, if you want to totally disregard spiritual disciplines, sin will destroy your life and that you will have no, you won't be able to do anything about it. You're not going to pray it away. It don't happen like that. The devil roars around seeking who he may devour at the opportunity. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to put forth effort in your life to be like Jesus. Amen. And you have to initiate practices in your daily routine of life that help to mold you into the person of Jesus Christ. A discipline is a way to access power. The reason why so many Christians don't have power is because they have no spiritual discipline in their life. They only come to church when they need something. You only call people in your time of need. I'm not saying that's wrong. Don't hear me. That's, that is okay. But you'll keep doing that for the rest of your life. If you had the option of living in power, why wouldn't you take it? Why wouldn't you take that? Of all the goals you have in 2022, why wouldn't you say, I want to live in power? I want to live like Jesus lived, and I want, to exp- I want to be with Jesus, I want to be like Jesus, and I want to do the things that Jesus did. And you mean to tell me it's at my disposal? That is exactly what I'm telling you tonight. It is at your disposal if you want to take hold of that tonight. The spiritual disciplines are a means to an end. They're not the ends themselves. That's why you don't just be like, oh, I checked this off of my box. I did this today. No, no, no. It's a lifestyle. If you want the life of Jesus, you need to have the lifestyle of Jesus. So you have to incorporate these things. So the things we do, they do something to us. What we do is what we become. So here's the thing. I want to talk tonight about one discipline. Before, before I get into that one discipline, uh, let me just say this. That, that practices, when we talk, when I'm, t- I'm teaching you tonight, okay, I'm, I'm giving you information. I am engaging your prefrontal cortex tonight. This is where you're perceiving your information. The issue is that if all you do in your walk with the Lord is prefrontal cortex and none of your limbic system, then nothing's going to change in your life. You're just going to get a bunch of information. What we want to engage as a follower of Christ is limbic system, is our daily activities, how we interact and how we develop our habits and the things that we, the practical things that we do every single day. This is why tonight you can leave this place feeling free, being like, man, my head, amazing. And tomorrow is the same Monday as it's always been. Because you're not engaging another area of your body and you're not saying, I want to be like, you say, I don't want to know about Jesus. I don't just want to know about Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. That's what he's called me to be. He's called me to be like him. Now, spiritual disciplines. Here's the thing about them. You have to have a balanced approach. Okay? Let me um, go to the next slide. So on the axis, there's these four ways that you look at spiritual disciplines. You need to have, there are disciplines that you do alone. There are disciplines that you do in community. There are disciplines that you do, the disciplines of abstinence, which are things that you give up. And there's disciplines of engagement, which is coming to church, which is what you're doing Today. So there's a balance of these spiritual disciplines. So many people only focus on one of the four things, which is why they only have freedom or experience Jesus in their life in only one of area. Because they only say, well, my walk with the Lord is just between me and him. No, it's not. So you're going to take Jesus into your alone time and you're going to miss out on community. You're going to miss out on freedom 
Because the spiritual disciplines are called to be done alone and in community. You can't choose that. You can't say, well, I just want the Jesus who's alone. Don't work like that, bro. You won't experience him. You will, you will only experience a fraction of what Jesus has for you. You have to have a balanced approach to spiritual disciplines. So I just want to pick one discipline tonight. Now, here's the thing. And I'm going through this in my own life, my, my own personal life, and I'm, I'm preparing to teach this tonight. I'm thinking, man, I want to take the next 10 weeks with you and walk through each spiritual discipline. And we're going to do this until June. And we're going to just do the practicing, the spiritual disciplines. But we're not going to do that. I'm just going to do one tonight. That's it. Okay. And maybe we'll, we'll pick this up in the fall or something. We'll do a class or something. But here's the deal. I want to do one discipline with you. And I want to talk to you about one practice, one spiritual discipline that I believe is the most overlooked spiritual discipline and practice of all of those in the Western church. And no practice of Jesus is more alien or neglected in the modern Western church than fasting. Than fasting. I say Western church because I go to India, I go to different parts of the world. They love fasting. It is a part of following Jesus to them. We come here, we love our food. Yeah. Right? We don't go out to eat tonight. Some of y'all are mad. Right? <laughs> we, we live in a culture of if you're hungry, go get it. Happiness, the pursuit of happiness means that you crave something and you get it. So just the idea of fasting goes against the American dream. And it's countercultural to you being free or whatever that means in our culture, right? And so here's the reason. So because of that, very few followers of Jesus fast anymore. But fasting was a core practice of following Jesus in the fourth century. But here, so here, here's the thing about fasting I want you to know. I'm just going to give you a short teaching tonight. Here's what you got to know. Fasting, true fasting is going without food. Let me say that again, okay? True fasting is not social media fasting. It's not internet fasting. It's not fasting your TV show. True biblical spiritual discipline becoming like Jesus fasting involves food. That hurts some of you right now, doesn't it? It is a practice by which you deny yourself food in an attempt to starve your flesh. Just hearing those words coming out of my mouth, starve my flesh. I've already checked out, Pastor. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, ain't nobody starving here. <laughs> ain't no, have you seen the shelves at the grocery store? We are in a hunger crisis. Like, yeah, well, you got to get your food and your toilet paper. Like, no. But my personal opinion is this. As I'm going through this and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling in my own walk with the Lord about this, I believe that my personal opinion is that we, me included, like to reinvent what the practices of Jesus mean to us and not what they mean, period. It's really easy for me to say to you, hey, guys, we're going to do a social media fast tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. I know you can do it. Like What? Like, like I can come up with something that sounds super spiritual and may cause you to be like, oh, I hope I can get through this. I don't care what I say. I care what Jesus says. Yeah. And Jesus says that fasting has to do with you not eating food. You may think, really, fasting is supposed to do something supernatural in my life? Let me read you some stuff. Richard Foster said this. More than any other spiritual discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. 
I love what John Mark Cover said in his Live No Lies, his new book. He said, very few practices have the capacity to humble us as does fasting. When you begin fasting, it's common to feel sad, anxious, or just hangry. With regular practice, those feelings mostly go away and are replaced by joy, contentment, a sense of intimacy with God, and spiritual power. But it takes a while to wean your soul off its addiction to the Western gods of pleasure, instant gratification, and sensory appetites. The first thing it normally does is reveal where you are still in bondage. He goes on to say, fasting trains our bodies to not get what they want, at least not all the time. And this is important because we live in a culture that assumes we must get what we want in order to be happy. And by want, we often mean what our flesh wants. This is why when fasting is done properly, like Jesus outlines it, it is a pathway to freedom like you've never experienced in your life before. When Jesus went toe-to-toe with the devil, I don't know if you remember this in, Ma- in Mark, Matthew, he, he was baptized and he went into the wilderness. Remember that? And he fasted for 40 days, right? You remember that? And a lot of us, we misinterpret this text because we're like, oh man, like Satan showed up when he was at his weakest. No, Jesus was actually at his strongest because he had fasted for 40 days. So he was filled with the knowledge and the power of God, and he was ready to attack any opposition that came his way. We look at that text and we're like, oh man, Satan's so tricky. No, no, he showed up at the wrong time. He probably should show up on the first day. He would have defeated no matter what. But the reality is that Jesus was at his strongest after he had fasted for 40 days. Let me tell you what fasting is not, real quick. Fasting is not for show, okay? You don't go on your story and be like, hey guys, fasting, pray for me. This is hashtag hard. Like, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Fasting is not for show, right? Fasting isn't a diet that you let everybody know about. It's not about appearing weak. So people ask, what's wrong? That's what religious people did in Jesus's day. Fasting has nothing to do with your religion and everything to do with your relationship with God. The second thing is fasting does not twist God's arm. So you can say, oh man, I need God to move. So I'm going to fast to twist his arm a little bit. I'm really serious, God. And I'm going to go without food until you do this or that. Fasting doesn't change God's mind. It changes me. Yeah, yeah. That's what it does, right? So let me just tell you three kinds of fasting tonight. Man, I wish somebody would have taught me this when I was younger. I'm just telling you. This is gold. Three types of fasting. There's absolute fasting, okay? And when I say absolute, I mean absolute. All food, liquid, water. 100%, you don't eat, drink anything during an absolute fast. Moses did this in Deuteronomy chapter 9, 9. He abstained from food and water for 40 days. Jesus didn't do an absolute fast. And we know that because it said in Matthew 4, 2, it says uh, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he afterwards, uh, he hungered. It didn't say he was thirsty. It says he hungered, right? If he was hungry, if he didn't drink, he would have been thirsty, but he drank. So he was hungry, right? So an absolute fast is when you do everything. We don't recommend this. I'll just be honest, unless the Holy Spirit directs you to do so. I have friends who do this. And they, the Holy Spirit has led them into doing this, and, it's amazing, and I'm, I'm, I cheer them on for doing this when they tell me that they do it after, right? Because they can't tell me during, and lose, just go eat something. Um, but we don't recommend this 
um, unless the Holy Spirit directly speaks to you and says, hey, abstain from everything for a certain amount of time. He may tell you to do that, but it's not something we recommend. The second thing is a normal fast. This is where you're just drinking water. You're just drinking water during a normal fast. Like I said, Jesus did this when he was in the desert. After he fasted, he was hungry. You take advantage of the time that you aren't eating to feed yourself on the word of God. This is not a diet. This is prayer and fasting. Right? The goal of prayer and fasting is not to lose weight. So I would really, and I'm, I'll share my personal story with you at the end of this, but if you're going like to weigh yourself at the beginning of fasting and weigh yourself at the end, I don't really know about that. I'm just going to be honest. I, I feel kind of weird about that. Because then you're, you're setting some kind of weird goal of like, man, prayer and fasting worked. Like, like it's not about losing weight. That's called dieting. Prayer and fasting has a spiritual discipline about intimacy with the Lord and has to do with getting freedom in areas of your life where you're not free in. Some people who don't understand fasting, they just get fatter. I'll just be honest. They eat too much after, right? They fast for two or three days and then they go to a buffet for the next week. I earned this. Like, okay, then you totally didn't know what you were doing. (laughs) You don't not eat to earn something. You do it for your relationship with the Lord. And then the last one is a partial fast. Even kids can do this. Um, the minimum of a partial fast is a Daniel fast. This is what I personally like to lean towards when I do my fasting is a Daniel fast. We read about this in the prophet Daniel. You can read about that in the book of Daniel. Um, he fasted 21 days and he abstained from very specific types of food. No meats, no wheats, no sweets. That's the basic rule of thumb with a Daniel fast. No wheats, no meats, no sweets. You say, man, like, you know, isn't it harmful? Actually, no, it's actually very super healthy, to be honest with you. I think Tom Brady does this all the time. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you're eating organically, and you're very specific of the organic things that you're eating, but it's not a, it's not a lot. Like, you're not full, but you're like, you're good. And you're controlling that appetite, and you're, and you're learning, and, and there's discipline in there. It's something that's going to require sacrifice of you. If you've never fasted before, don't do an absolute fast <laughs> and don't do a normal fast. Start with a partial fast and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give up. I would pers- I personally, I'm just being fair. I recommend a Daniel fast if you're just going to do it for the first time ever. Okay. And I'll share that in a second, but here, here's a couple things. Okay. So Jesus didn't say if you fast, he said, when you fast, that's important to know. This is not something for sp- the super religious people. This is for a follower of Christ. Okay? And the reason why some of us, you have not gone further and you're stuck is because you've never engaged the spiritual discipline in your life. You've never entertained prayer and fasting. Or you've never incorporated into your life the same way that you incorporate coming to the block. Right? Um, There are certain miracles that only happen when you fast. We see this in scripture, Matthew chapter 17. The disciples had an experience with casting out a demon, but the demon wouldn't leave. And the demon tried to drown this boy. Matthew 17, it says, Jesus replied, you unbelieving perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? He's saying this to the disciples, by the way, the disciples. How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. The disciples came to Jesus in private and said, why couldn't we drive it out? He said, because you have little faith. Truly, I tell you, 
He said, um, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can save that mountain, move, and it will move, and nothing is impossible for you. He goes on to say that some things can only be moved out by prayer and fasting. Some things can only be moved by prayer and fasting. Some things can only happen with prayer and fasting. So if you are up against, if you are hitting a wall in your walk with the Lord, Maybe it's time, maybe you're here tonight for a reason and you're hearing this very specific message about a very specific thing because God's saying to you, this is your freedom right here. I am sharing with you a pathway for you to go deeper in a walk with me this year and to realize freedom in a way that you've never experienced before. Fasting fights against fleshly desires, specifically sexual sins. So you are dealing with masturbation, with pornography, with watching, with, with doing things, all these things. The spiritual discipline that you need to dive into is prayer and fasting. Because that spiritual discipline is specific to your body. And it does things to you mentally but, but physically that you cannot do under your own power. You are saying to God, I can't do this. I can't break this demonic chain. I've been watching porn for five years, for 10 years. I'm sleeping around. I can't stop doing all, whatever. Jesus wants you to know he, you have freedom. Yeah. And it's not because you come up to the altar and you pray. It's not because you hear a message. It's because you practice the way of Jesus. Yeah. You practice the way of Jesus. So if you don't have freedom in areas of your life, here's what I'm learning in my own life. I'm just sharing. I'm just pouring out what God's been pouring into me. You look at the spiritual disciplines that you're lacking because there are spiritual disciplines that are attached to certain things that we war against in our life and that we come against. And when you lean into those spiritual disciplines, you find freedom like Jesus walked in. And when I say when I say sexual sins and all those things, I really mean that. I mean that with all my heart. I know people who have dealt with masturbation, all those things. And they lent themselves to the practice of fasting and God broke it. God broke it over their life. They didn't have to go take a pill. They didn't have to go to see a psychiatrist. No, no. Jesus gives us the the blueprint for freedom in all areas of our life. But here's the thing. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to be like Jesus. You have to put forth effort to experience the lifestyle of Jesus. So fasting, it breaks sexual habits, destroys demonic ties because it focuses on the physical. I'm not, and I'm not just talking about sexual sins. I'm talking about gluttony, oversleeping, laziness, all these different types of things. And so if you're here tonight and you're hearing me and you're, and you're saying to yourself, man, I, I, have, I have struggled with this my whole life. And I went to camp and I went to a retreat and I got freedom for like a week. And then, uh, I, you know, I made a New Year's resolution. And then like eight days later, nine days later, I slipped up. And then the whole year was lost to this demonic habit. I want to tell you that you have to counteract that habit with a practice of Jesus. Yeah. You're not just going to walk in here. Don't get me wrong. Jesus can do that. <laughs> he might very well could. But there's something so beautiful about incorporating the practice of Jesus in your life every single day that you have a joy that you've never experienced before in your life. And I'm experiencing my own life the past couple of years. So let me give you my uh, part of my story and then uh, we'll close out tonight. Um, so I grew up in church. 
And I grew up in a church that was super charismatic and they, you know, we did care, you know, we did prayer and fasting all the time. And so I saw my parents fast, specifically my mom. And it was a huge turnoff because my mom, when they did fasting, um, number one, as a young person, I didn't get, my parents didn't cook for me because I had to fast with them or whatever. So I had to like sneak candy bars and stuff. Um, but then the other thing is like my mom would be miserable while she fasted. And I saw that my mom would have to take BC powder every single night over the kitchen sink and almost throw up because her head, she had a migraine. Every time she went without food and she was doing this fast for an allowed amount of time, she would just kind of be like, uh, you know, it would, and that was a total, total turn off to me as a young person before I even started following Jesus. But I've all had that in the back of my head that that's, that's what fasting is. Fasting is miserable. That's what I thought. Okay, so I give my life to the Lord in high school and I'll just be super transparent. Man, I'm, I'm not a big, fa- I, I have not been a big faster until recently. And recently, I mean the past two, two three years. Um, this, our church, we do prayer and fasting emphasis every year, uh, first week of the, second week of the year, okay? Which is one of the reasons why I'm teaching this tonight. And, I, and we, just, we knew that this was the right time, the right moment to do a teaching on prayer and fasting because here's what typically happens in our church and in our ministry over the eight years. We get up next Sunday, hey, prayer and fasting starts tomorrow. You guys go kill it. We're gonna get freedom and we'll see you next week. We never teach about it. We never tell you how to do it. And we tell you the day before it happens and if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Nobody fasts and it's miserable. Nobody's free. <laughs> it is what it is. But here's the deal. I wanna be proactive with you and I want you to experience freedom, I'm giving you a weak heads up on this stuff tonight because I want you to do this with us, okay? It starts next week. We'll get into that in a second, all right? So I personally progressed in my walk with the Lord. I've been following the Lord since I was 18, so that'll be 18 years, 19, I'm getting old. Anyway, so anyway, I would, I would grow up in youth group, so youth group would be like, hey, fast your phone or fast these things. And I get it, like I understand that removing certain things from your life allows you to lean into your relationship with Lord a little bit more if you're intentional with that. But once again, what I'm teaching you tonight, I never knew. True fasting is physical and it's food. It's not social media. You probably need to do that too, just for your own mental sanity, but it's food. And so three years ago, you know, I always, when I fasted with the church, I kind of felt guilty because like, I'm always looking for the end. (laughs) I'm like, okay, so what are you guys eating on Sunday when this is over? Right? Like, I'm going to Reginelli's. I've already ordered my table. I'm getting a whole pizza by myself. Nobody can eat it. I'm getting a king cake. I'm getting all, like, I've planned out the day the fasting ends. I've actually planned out the next six meals that I'm going to eat. Okay, I'm just being honest, right? That's how I look at fasting, or how I did look at fasting. January uh, 2020, I realized, I felt super convicted in my walk with the Lord because this happened, you know, we did prayer and fasting as a church and at the end of it, I just felt weird. I felt like I had like abused God in some way and tried to manipulate God and I felt it internally and I thought, why am I doing this? Like, why am I fasting? In my conversations about fasting with people are just dumb. <laughs> like how much weight you lost? You know, like just, it doesn't, I don't really understand why we're doing this. And so I read this book and I read some scholarly articles about the physical aspects of fasting, which by the way, that'll blow your mind. Read about the physical aspects of fasting. It is incredible. Like you and I were created to fast, just so you know. We're wired physically to fast, right? We weren't created to eat all day. That's just a Western thing. And so I started to incorporate the the spiritual disciplines of fasting in my own life several years ago. And man, let me just tell you guys, it has brought a level to my walk with the Lord I've never experienced before in my life. I've been walking with him for almost 19 years and I regret not leaning into this 19 years ago. 
I wish someone would have taught me what I'm teaching you tonight, 19 years ago. And said, hey, Stephen, this is what, look, prayer, reading your Bible, fasting, going, like, you've got to fast. And so I started doing it once a month, a couple days, a couple days once a month, and just like, hey, I'm gonna do it the first Monday and Tuesday, or I'm gonna do it, you know, our ministry, our leaders for a season, we did it every Sunday night, I think for a little while, right? We did it every Sunday night or the first Sunday of every month, and God moved. Yeah. God moved. Right? And then we stopped. I don't know why. Forgive me for, for, for being the bad leader. Right? But let me tell you something. Last year was the toughest year of my life. One of the toughest. For many of you as well. Right? A pandemic. But then a hurricane. And let me tell you something. I got responsibilities that some of you don't have. I got three kids. I got a wife. I got a house. Like, the older you get, I got responsibilities. I can't tell you. Dealing with insurance companies, having $40,000 of damage on my property, still not fixed, trying to get your family, 12 members of your family out of state, taken care of. Like, dude, it is just stressful. It's stressful. And I was more depleted than you know. I was more mentally gone. I was more physically gone. I was more emotionally. Some of you might have noticed that last year because maybe I didn't connect with you the way that I used to in the past. I mean, I was just, I was done. I was just done. And I remember thinking... Why haven't you fasted? Why have you fasted? And we taught on Nehemiah. Remember that? We taught on Nehemiah in September. And that's why I taught you this. Because what did Nehemiah do? He prayed and fasted. So we get back from the hurricane. And like, man, I've got so much stuff going on in my life. And I'm like, God, I, I, I'm like, I'm at my breaking point. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I'm going to do like a 21-day fast. So in October, I did a 21-day fast with the Lord. Changed my life. Changed my life. I mean, I like entered it broken, but I came out whole. Whole. Mentally was at a totally different place than before. Physically was better. I, was, I had gotten so unhealthy over the, over the last year. Physically, just obviously the physical elements of fasting, but spiritually, oh my God, it was like drinking water. It was like drinking water to the point at the end of 21 days, I forgot that I was at 21 days and I didn't even want to stop. I was like, I, th- I think I can live like this. <laughs> like, like seriously, that's where I got. But I remember thinking at the end of those 21 days, man, God, you were so good. Like I, I, a friend called me from out of town and I, that I had talked to at the beginning of the 21 days. And at the end of 21 days, they said, hey, they said, you sound different. Has anything changed? It's like, actually, here's the deal. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Things are even crazier. Things are more stressed out. My insurance company won't give me this, but I am so good. Like, I'm so good. My marriage is awesome. My relationships are awesome. I'm passionate. I'm energized. I'm ready to go. God's speaking to me. It's amazing. And I'm like, man, because the practices of Jesus bring life to you. And this is just one of them. This is just one. So as I close out, here's what I'm saying. I'm sharing with this with you because I'm just being transparent and honest because I want you to know that this is not something that I'm preaching because I'm a pastor and I'm re- I want to be, you to be religious and put stuff on you. No, I'm not trying to do that to you. I'm teaching you the ways of Jesus. Take it or leave it. If you want to be like Jesus, lean into the practices of Jesus. And my challenge to you in 2022, if you have one discipline that you're going to lean into, my personal challenge to you is to lean into the, the challenge and the, the practice of fasting and prayer. Once again, I'm telling you this one week ahead of time because next Sunday, we're starting prayer and fasting for our whole church. But here's the deal. I'm not telling you that so that 
We like, yeah, we're rah, rah, re, we're getting with the church. We're all doing it together. We're corporately fasting. I'm telling you for a personal level for freedom in your own life to go deeper with your walk with the Lord. Let's do this together next week. Okay. I'm giving you a week heads up on this, meaning that you've got a week to prepare yourself. You've got a week to re-listen to this message on the podcast. You've got a week to dig into scripture. You've got a week to search meal plans of Daniel Fast if you want to do something like that. You've got a week to get your plan together and say, I'm going to set my meals out every single day. I'm going to plan and strategize what I'm going to pray for over the course of the next week. I'm not going to go into this thing like, yeah, I'm praying and fasting. Who knows what God will do? No, no, no. I'm praying specifically for God to do things in my life. I'm going into this thing. Because I want to be like Jesus and I want to see Jesus move in A, B, C, D, E areas of my life. And he will do it. If you were encouraged by today's talk, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. You can keep up with us by following our Instagram by searching at the block NOLA. Again, thanks for listening to the block podcast.